Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Monday, July the 17th, 2023. It is currently 1025 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Well, night one of the 2023 National Sword Conference is history. It is in the books. The conference ended a few hours ago, or the first night of the conference ended. So night one of the 2023 National Sword Conference, it is in the books. Night one is, not the entire conference, just night one. We've got a few more days to go, and I believe everything kicks off tomorrow morning at around 8.30 a.m. I think that's when live streaming begins, is around 8.30 a.m. Again, if you go to swordofthelord.com, a lot of people are missing it. When you go swordofthelord.com, and you look at the homepage, there is something, it's in, it's in red, and it says something like live streaming here, something like that. You click on that, it takes you to their YouTube page. Uh, so there's not much at their YouTube page, but that's where you can watch the live stream. Uh, someone emailed me, they couldn't find the link. If you cannot find the link tomorrow, just email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. And then I will send you the link and you can follow along tomorrow. There is preaching all day tomorrow. In fact, let me see if I can pull up the schedule for you real quick. Uh, the schedule for the Sword of the Lord conference tomorrow is, I think I have it right here. No, I don't have it right there. Here we go. Here it is. I'm clicking on it right now. The schedule for tomorrow. Here's how it works. Here's day two. Now, remember, day one, or night one, I should say, because it was only in the evening. Night one of the 2023 okay, National Sword Conference. It is in the books. Tomorrow, Tuesday, July the 18th, will be day two. It begins at 8.30 a.m. in the morning with a com- combating Calvinism seminar there's also the legal seminar. Now, I, there's no way they're going to be streaming both. So I'm assuming, I don't know what they're going to do there. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be streaming anything. I have no idea how the live stream works. Maybe they'll give us two different streaming feeds. I don't know. But if it, if it's combating uh, Calvinism, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to watch that one because I think I'll probably end up having a seizure, but someone else can watch it. But 8.30 in the morning, at least someone needs to be there at 8.30 in the morning. I think it will actually be 7.30 in the morning, my time. So I, I don't know if I will even see it. But if you're around at that time and you can watch it and take notes, I would really, I would greatly appreciate it if someone is willing to do that, all right? I'm going to do my best. At 9.30 a.m. will be Matt Morrison. Um, that'll be 8.30 Central Time. 9.30, I think that's Eastern Time Zone. They're in North, uh, North Carolina. 10.30 a.m. is Ron Titus. 11.30 a.m. is Mike Wells. Then at 1.30, a, uh, 1.30 p.m. till 3 p.m. is the School of the Prophets and a music seminar. Again, I don't know if they're going to be streaming both of those or just one of those. The School of the Prophets, the way they did it in 2022, it's really weird because in my mind, the School of the Prophets is going to be like, oh, we're going to get like from 1.30 till 3 o'clock. It's going to be in-depth teaching of scripture. It's going to be, maybe they're going to do a, an overview of a book. Maybe they're going to do a Bible study method. Maybe something with Greek. I, I'm just thinking of something really, really, really in-depth. And really what it is, they bring like a lot of the men who speaks at the conference and they, they just give them little 15-minute segments. So one person speaks for like maybe 15 minutes or less, and then they hand the microphone to the next person, then they hand it to the next person. They're just little 15-minute segments. They, they're they really just kind of offering up really kind of like their thoughts or philosophy about ministry. It's really not what I thought. I, it's, I, I was, I'm hoping maybe they have a different format this year. But in 2022, I was kind of like, what is this? 7 p.m. tomorrow night is Lou Rossi, and 8 p.m. tomorrow night is Jeff Fugate. That's day two. That's tomorrow, July the 18th, the sword 
National Conference, all right? Go to thesortofthelord.com. You should see a link. If you can't find it, newsif at yahoo.com. If you can't find the link right now, email me immediately as soon as this broadcast is over. I'll, I'll go ahead and send you the link. It's active. It'll take you to the YouTube page, and it will allow you right now to watch all of the messages from tonight. So if you miss the messages from tonight, you can go watch them right now. They combined it into one video. You get the singing. You get the preaching. You get the announcements. You get everything. So it's lot. It's it's free. So go watch the messages for yourself from tonight. I think I really think you should. All right. So that's what's going on now. Why you may be asking? Are you talking about and following the Sword of the Lord Conference? Well, that the Sword of the Lord Conference represents a, a definitive stream, theological stream. It kind of, it really represents a definitive hermeneutical stream, right? It's the independent fundamental Baptist KJV only world. In many cases, very, 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 very anti-Calvinism. And they have a very specific, uh, you know, eschatology, a very specific soteriology. You know, uh, there's a lot of, I mean, it's a specific world of Christianity. It may not be as big and as influential as it was maybe in the 70s or the 80s or even in the 90s. I think they've, I think, I think as they, as it started getting to the end of the 90s, the independent, the hardcore independent fundamental Baptist movement, as I knew it at that time, I felt begin to kind of disintegrate and fall apart. That's my own view. That's my own perspective. Maybe I am wrong. I don't have numbers to back that up, but I don't feel like it's near as influential, but it's still there. There are still churches in probably your city. Look up if uh, how many independent fundamental Baptist KJV only churches you have in your city. I, I guarantee you there is one. And if you've never been, you should just go visit for the experience just to see what that world is like just to just to get a sense of it now be prepared if you do go visit probably the next day probably monday or tuesday they'll be knocking on your door so you know uh some people love that some people that drives them crazy um but or you can just tell them hey I, I'm just coming to check it out. I don't want to visit. Maybe you can tell them before you leave on Sunday, but you should check it out if you're not familiar with that. And I always tell people, if you go to swordofthelord.com, you should subscribe to the newspaper at least for one year. It's like $12, I think, for a year. Just uh, that that paper was so influential. I think we heard uh, in some of the sermons we reviewed from the 2022 conference one of the individuals now who's the editor of the Sword of the Lord, he he entered in to the independent fundamental Baptist world through the Sword of the Lord newspaper. That had a profound impact on a lot, had a profound impact on me. I, I read that paper, man, I was going to say religiously, but I read it <laughs> frequently. Okay, I read it a lot. So it, it has influence. So if you've never experienced or seen it, you should just kind of get an idea of what it's all about. I mean, and not only that, it's an actual physical paper newspaper. So, right? I mean, when was the last time you touched one of those? So just, you know, and you and your kids can go, what is that strange thing? It's a newspaper a newspaper like that, that way. What are, what is this thing of antiquity that you holdeth, mother? Let me touch it. Okay, right, right now. I'm, okay, that's a little bit of hyperbole, but go do that. Now, what, what do we want to accomplish this evening? Well, what we want to accomplish this evening is to kind of talk about what happened in night one. What happened in night one? Now, if you are listening and you listened and watched the, the conference tonight, feel free to jump in at any point. If you feel like I missed something or something jumped out at you, there was like whatever, whatever hit you the most, let me know. And I'm just going to make some casual observations. First, there was one camera shot. The place was packed out. So that, that's awesome for them. It, it, it was definitely packed out. Um, the two messages, message number two hit me the strongest. It, it, it had the most impact I felt. Sermon one was a little, it was a little frustrating and a little confusing to me. One, because he's using the book of Hebrews and I, and I feel like people so misuse and abuse and twist that book and just kind of miss its entire point. Um, and sermon number two, 
I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be honest with you. I heard a lot of me in sermon number two. Not I'm not saying that person was influenced by me. They don't even know who I am. I'm just saying that I could I could hear myself preaching a very similar kind of message. Maybe not the way he handled the text, but the things that he said. Maybe I should say I could hear myself saying some of those things on a podcast. Because he really went after this idea. Hey, you can look at the world. You can look at the world. And, you know, there's alcohol, there's homosexuality, there's transgenderism, there's all of these things in the world. And we have a good, like, if I preach against those things, I'm going to get amen, amen, amen. But we're going to look at the sins that impact those of us here in this room, us Christians. And he really went after the sins of the church and what he felt was the sins of the independent fundamental battle. Baptist world. And so I thought that that was, I love that approach. Instead of pointing our fingers at them, let's look to us. So I, I mean, sermon number two, yeah, we, I may have some issues with maybe how he handled the text and, and there's a point he made in I didn't really like. So I was a little bothered by sermon number, uh, uh, sermon, uh, I was a little bothered just by a few things in sermon number two. Overall, I thought it was awesome the way he did. There was some, you know, some, I mean, some convicting parts there. Uh, so, um, and we will, we'll address one major issue that I have with it that, that I think someone else pointed out. Uh, but sermon number one was a little, it was a little frustrating. So let's just do kind of an over. That's just kind of my general view. So overall, I thought, I thought it was well worth my time to watch. Again, sermon two is the one that sticks with me, but in both sermons, I got something that I could, that, that you may hear in a today's focus. You may hear show up in a sermon. Both of them, I walked away with something that I'm like, I can use that. And you're going to hear me use some of it here tonight. Uh, so in both of them, I, I mean, that's the way it always is. If I hear preaching and if they, if they deal with the text in any way, shape or form, they're giving me, you know, they're giving me something I can walk away with. I can, I can turn that into my own study. I can turn it into a sermon. I can turn it into a podcast series. So, um, I, I, so I felt that it was definitely worth my time. I thought, um, there were some parts that were frustrating. But overall, it was the second sermon that I do think really drove home a point. And he kind of, he was definitely playing it up. Hey, are you getting mad at me yet? Yet? Hey, are no amens. Like, he really was like, hey, yeah, if I was here preaching against those other sins, you would all be like amening me. But now you're getting quiet. Now you're getting quiet because I'm coming after our sins. And I really love that approach. I, I, I got nothing but respect for that. So, and it's, and it, his story is interesting, but we'll talk about sermon number two in a minute. All right. So here we go. Sermon number one. Really, the text for his sermon was Hebrews chapter four. Now, in a roundabout way, he kind of covered Hebrews three, and then he mentioned all the way things through Hebrews six. I think primarily he said he was going to cover Hebrews 4 through 6, but when he says he's going to cover Hebrews 4 through 6, let's make it very clear, he he, he wasn't really going to come in. Huh? He offered a little bit of historical background. He, obviously, he, he did not even bother to mention that this was written leading right up to the destruction of the temple. Like this was written 68, 69 AD, warning people basically of, of the coming destruction of the temple and Judaism being wiped off the face of the earth. He didn't really play, deal with any of the historical context and how that historical context may have a profound impact on how we actually interpret the text. None of that was talked about. All of that, none of that. It was just basic. I mean, he mentioned a little bit of the context, but nothing serious. He clearly did not work through in any true expositional way Hebrews 3, 4, 5, or 6. In fact, all of the preaching so far, it seems like they want to, te- they find a text, right? And, and this is just my impression. The text is more there. As just a place to start, but they have really a topic. They really have a theme they're trying to get to. And they may try to borrow some of it from the text, but they're really, it's more like the text is to get me to my theme more than I really want us to understand the text. In other words, when both sermons were over, I don't know if you could walk away going, man, I really under, like in the first sermon, when you walk away from the first sermon, I don't think you could have said, I really understand Hebrews 3, 4, 5, and 6, or I really understand Hebrews chapter 4. I really, 
I don't, I don't think you would really, you would not have an understanding of the text. And if you thought that you did, then that would be a very sad thing because it would demonstrate you don't really know how to study the text. Now, there were people on YouTube talking about the preaching was wonderful and the preaching was great because maybe that's what they think preaching is. But um, I think preaching to me is the, is expounding the text. But he primarily used Hebrews chapter four, verses one through two. And he, and he did kind of an interesting thing with it. On one hand, I found it interesting, but on the other hand, kind of made me a little nervous. Now, you may have a different perspective, but let me just try to work through this. All right. Hebrews 4, verse 1. Let us. Now, he really emphasized the word us. Let us. Now, that us, he made it us. Okay. He made the us, you, me, us in 2023. Now, he didn't make the us referring to Jewish believers in 67, 68 AD. He really wanted that us to be us as believers just in general, not, hey, what that us there is referencing the writer of Hebrews is, is referring to him and, and, and he's writing to the Hebrews. He's writing to Jewish, to those who are Jewish, right? So he, he kind of, he mentioned that a little bit, but he didn't really stress that when he got to the us here. So let us, Therefore, fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. So he really wanted us to get the us there. Let us. Now he's going to contrast that us with something coming up. For unto us, there's the us again, was the gospel preached as well as unto them. Now he made a, he made some little jokes about pronouns and how, you know, every, you know, the culture and pronouns really had no bearing on the actual sermon other than to kind of make a little cultural war, you know, comment. Just, you know, I, it really bothered me, but I, you know, I digress. You know, who cares? Who really cares about that? The main thing is what is he going to do with the text? So he really wanted to take this concept that in Hebrews four, basically one through two, there is an us and there is a them. Now, the us, he seems to be, and I think this is a fair discussion. You can go again to Sword of the Lord, follow the link, listen to the sermon for yourself. And, and maybe if the, uh, at some point we may review the sermon somewhere down the road. Um, but he really wanted to draw this distinction between us and them. Again, in my estimation, and anyone who listened to it can, can come into the chat tonight and say something. In my estimation, he wanted that us to be you, me, them at the conference. He really wanted that us to be all believers, not really the us had anything directly related to the people at the time. In other words, he kind of ignored the original recipients. He mentioned them, but really the emphasis, we are the us, the them. I think he was, I think he was, did a pretty good job. But I know he kind of still, to me, he kind of made the them just the, the unbeliever in general, just all unbelievers. But the us there are the Jewish believers and the them, I think, is referring to the Jews of the Old Testament, I think. I think that's fair. Let's read it and see if, if, I'm, if I'm way off or what you think. Or right, here we go. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now, I think this clearly seems to refer to Okay. All right. Now I'm getting some, uh, uh, comments in the chat. All right. So here we go. We got people actually listening to us live at this late hour. That's good. It says, Oh, definitely. I think that's what he did. We are the us. And I don't think the them. And I do think the them was just unbelievers. Uh, someone else said, yes, I heard us as you and me, them were unbelievers. Didn't mean, uh, he didn't mention the Jewish pe uh, did mention the uh, Jewish people briefly. So he did mention that, but he didn't really build it up. He really wanted us to go, hey, it's us basically versus them. We are the us and they are the them. And there needs to be a distinction between us and them. And the only problem is he didn't really deal with 
Okay. The them, are you referring to them, the Jews of the Old Testament? Is that like he didn't really bother to really try to identify it. He just kind of had his own agenda. But the distinction, he did say this. Now, this leads to a lot of theological things, all right? This leads to a lot of theological issues here, right? Man, there's so much of Hebrews 4 that I want to start taking apart. It's just, it's so sad when you have a beautiful text like Hebrews 4, and then you listen to a sermon that really is not interested in the actual text. It's maddening because he wants to get to a to a point. He's got a topic, and it's just, okay, but. I want you to listen to this. I do agree that it's drawing a distinction between the us and the them. That was very good. He did at least acknowledge there is a contrast being made. Now, the us here, let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left of us entering into his rest, any of you should come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them. It profit us. It didn't profit them. Why did it profit us? And it didn't profit them. If the same word was preached to both, what was the distinguishing factor between why some it profits and some it did not? And here's the thing. The text says, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. The distinction between the two, and he does mention this, is faith. Us, now in this particular case, the Jews there, the believing Jews that that the writer of Hebrews is writing to, it hey, the word had an impact on you because of faith, but them, it was it the word was preached, but it was not mixed with faith. Now, if the absence of faith is the determining factor on whether the word what faith is the determining factor on whether the word will have an impact or not have an impact, then the obvious theological question would be, why do some have faith and why do some not have faith? Now, you've really got only two ways of answering said question. Way number one would be more, I'm going to, I'm going to make way number one, the way they would probably answer this question. They would say, well, because they just chose not to believe. Meaning the difference between us and them is we just are smarter. We just decided to believe. They see they, the them. Now he's saying the them is unbelievers. If we just follow his logic. Okay. Them, you see those them over there, them over there, those unbelievers. Well, you know why the word doesn't have an impact on them? They don't have any faith. And because they don't have any faith, the word cannot, will not have an impact upon them. But us, it has an impact. And you know why? Because we have faith. All right, great. Now, why does that person over there not have faith? And why do I have faith? Their theology, I mean, obviously, tomorrow they're going to go after Calvinism. Their answer would be, well, we chose to it. We just... We, we listened, we were smarter, we were more thoughtful, we had a better understanding, we had a better grasp, so we believed. And they, they just were rebellious, they just didn't get it, they didn't have the insight. Because they would really go, the, 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 dis, the difference is just simply, I exercised my free will and believed, and they did not. Now, now in some ways, that is may be easier to understand philosophically, right? Because, hey, you get God off the hook. But the problem with this is, well, you really don't get God off the hook because if God gave free will, knowing that some people would use free will not to believe, and then he does nothing to change that, and you say, well, God is bound to give people free will. No, there's just so many issues with that because God then would create a world knowing he's going to give people free will knowing that the majority of the people will use free will not to believe, so then they'll burn forever in hell. Why would you then give them free will? Okay, you can just go all day on on all of the issues. You're still going to end up back to God. But here's the biggest issue with the free will concept. If they are completely free to believe or not to believe, then you have to believe logically. Therefore, they do not have a sinful nature. The only way their will can be free to just believe or not to believe is they cannot have a sinful nature 
They cannot be dead in their trespasses and sins because if they have a sinful nature, they cannot be totally free because that sinful nature would greatly interfere with them wanting God, believing God, or even wanting to hear about God. So are you saying, well, the sinful nature is there, but you have the power just to overcome the sinful nature on your own? See, it, it leads you back to Pelagianism and semi-Pelagianism, with, which are ancient, uh, ancient theological heresies. So clearly they believe the answer is we, the us, we believe just, and I, we, we almost have a little bit to glory in. We can almost boast in the fact that we believe and they don't believe. So he wanted this distinction between us and them. Then he went on to say, and I didn't write all of these things down. I think uh, someone sent me notes. Let me see here if they have it in their notes. Let me look here. Um, Let's see if I have it here. Um, He talked about, and I think he kind of just went through these uh, relatively quick. Um, yeah, I think, I think he said something along these lines, and I'm going to do a lot of paraphrasing here, that there needs to be a difference. There needs to be a difference between the us and the them. There needs to be a, a, a difference. And some of the things that should distinguish between us and them is first an attitude. An attitude. We should have the right, at- our attitude should be better than their attitude because it's us versus them. Now, because basically it's us in contrast to them. Maybe eight verses is a wrong word. So we, hey, you should have a better attitude. Your attitude should be positive and not so this and not so that. Well, I mean, obviously, if you've ever been around Christians, I don't know if there's anything that proves that at all we have a better attitude, but supposedly we're supposed to have a better attitude. Now, if you take their, if they're, if you take their theology to its logical conclusion, if you don't have a sinful nature, meaning you are absolutely free to believe or not to believe because you could do it in and of yourself, well, then you could just freely, even without Christ, even as an unbeliever, you could just freely choose to have a good attitude. If 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 you as a sinner are so free that you can just choose God, then a sinner is so free that they could just choose to have a good attitude. So then how can we in any way, shape, or form think a Christian would have a better attitude than a lost person because we're both free from our sinful nature? This is why if you're consistent with Pelagianism, then as Pelagia said, there can be perfect people even without regeneration. You don't even need regeneration because you're free. So, but he says what should distinguish us is our attitude. He goes on to say, uh, what, uh, what else should distinguish us, the us from them is the activities. Where do we go? Where do we go? What what activities do you engage in? Your activities should be different than their activities. The activities of the us should be different than the activities of the them. Uh, we should be, uh, what else? Is Our goals, our goals. The goals of us should be different than the goals of them. Our dress, our dress, the dress of us should be different than the dress of them. And he's not even, he didn't even really go into modesty. He just went that we should dress nicer that, that because he talked about being in an airport and that people just, they show up in their pajamas or they show up with these baggy clothes. He didn't really talk about modesty. He's just like, you should look nice because if you look nice, you'll get better customer service when you go to Walmart. It was really a weird point, but there should be a difference between us and them. But then I was thinking Mormons typically dress nice, right? Don't they? I mean, there's some drug dealers who probably dress really nice, right? I mean, there's some, there's some really seriously corrupt and depraved people on Wall Street who dress nice. So I don't really know. I, I, you know, there, there's probably some high paid call girls in Vegas who probably dress nice. So I, I don't really know what that had to do with it, but because it was really weird. Like I thought he was going to go down to modesty, but it was just like, you should just dress nice. I don't know really how that distinguishes us and them, but okay. And then our associations, our associations, uh, who do we hang out with? Who do we work with? And then our articulation, what do we say? So he, he wanted to, there's us and them. Now, what makes the difference between us and them is that we have faith, they don't have faith. And because we have faith, therefore then 
we, we, well, we need to really make this distinction between us and them. And basically, we, we should just, I guess, act better than them. It was really just an interesting, he never really articulated why we believe and they don't believe, but it's definitely, we basically should be better than them in every way. We should be better in the way we dress, better in the way we talk, better in the way we act. And it was very behavior, 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 behavior. Like the distinguishing mark in the text was one believes, one doesn't believe. He made the distinguishing mark. If you really look at how much time he spent, the text makes the distinguishing mark faith. He made the distinguishing mark behavior. That's mind-blowing to me because the text did not make that distinction. The text made the distinction faith versus no faith. He made the distinction really about action, behavior, words, and dress, and, and where you go. And I think that I thought that that was a misrepresentation of the text. Now, someone may be listening and you may agree or disagree if you heard that. I'm trying to be fair, but I, I, I was kind of just blown away with that. Then it was really weird, or at least to me, the structure of the sermon was kind of just, I, I, I was having a hard time following it. Now that could just be me. That could just be me. But all of a sudden he kind of went from that and then like, boom, hey guys, there's this really cool outline in Hebrews. And I was like, well, then if there's this really cool outline in Hebrews, then why didn't you just make your sermon the really cool outline in Hebrews? <laughs> it was kind of weird. Like he's, it's almost like he had two sermons that he ended up throwing together. Hey, I want to talk about the us and them. And then I want to talk about this really cool outline where you could have just made the sermon us and them and really talked about the true distinction between us and them, which is faith and imputed righteousness. Okay, we could go on. But, and then you could do another sermon going, hey, there's this really cool outline or not. He called it an outline. There's this really cool thing in Hebrews where a certain phrase is used in chapter four, verse one, or hang on, I wrote them all down. In Hebrews chapter four, verse one, Hebrews chapter four, verse verse 11, Hebrews chapter four, verse 14, Hebrews chapter four, verse 16, and Hebrews chapter six, verse one. We're going to look at this phrase and how it's used in each one of these sections and see what we can learn from it. That's an entire sermon in and of itself. So it felt like there were two sermons that were somehow put together. And I don't know exactly why. That's how it felt to me from a preacher. But I definitely want to talk about the, the kind of his outline. And I'm going to go through these quickly. Right, you can probably guess the phrase. The phrase that he really wanted to talk about in the first sermon tonight, we, we are reviewing night one of the 2023 National Sword Conference. Hebrews chapter four, verse one. The phrase is, let us, let us. Oh, that's cool that the phrase is used a number of times in the book of Hebrews. That's really cool. All right. That's really awesome. That's a good observation. I love that kind of thing. Now let's work through them. I'm going to go through them quickly. We're going to focus on one. I would like to really spend a little bit of time of all of them, but I'm just going to ask, ask some basic interpretive questions that maybe you want to work on and you can email me your thoughts, newsif at yahoo.com, and we will circle back to what he calls this Hebrews outline. Let's look at the first one. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Now, the fear here seems to be not necessarily a fear of God, but a fear of not entering into the rest. There's a promise of rest. You should fear of not falling short of it. Now, this seems to be primarily, again, dealing with the Jews, Hebrews, the Israelites, right before the destruction of the temple. Now, They should fear because if they continue to cling to the temple, the priests, the sacrificial system, if they continue to cling to Judaism, they will not enter into that rest because all of Judaism is going to be destroyed and there is never truly any rest under the old covenant. But if by faith, 
they can enter into that rest because Christ is our Sabbath rest. In Christ, we do have perfect rest because we rest from the law. We rest from the the restlessness and the work required under the law. We can rest perfectly because we enter into a perfect Sabbath rest because Christ has taken care of all of the work and all of the law on our behalf. So that, that one, that one is rather, rather, rather profound. And we could really work a little bit more on the rest concept there. And you could spend a little bit more time on it if you would like to. All right. So there's the first one. Let us fear. Now he just tried to make it more about let us fear God, but that's not the text there. The text is not about fearing God. The text there is fearing about not entering into the rest. And he didn't even bother to articulate what that even meant, which was very frustrating. Like, hey, you're giving us this brilliant outline and then you're completely obliterating what it actually means in the text. Oh, it's so maddening sometimes. You, I mean, these are conferences that people come from, you know, other cities and states. They fly in, they get a hotel and you hear someone just don't even bother to explain a, a text. So, can I say this? Can I say this? I don't know if I can say this. I, I, I don't, should I say this? All right, I'm 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 probably going to get myself in trouble. I'm going to try to say this as politically correct as I can. Just because you tune in and there's a conference, just because you hear there's a conference coming to your city, whether it's $30, $50, $60, just because these pastors are somehow considered the flavor of the month or the year or the decade, they become the celebrities that people are willing to pay money to get into a building to hear preach. Just because they are the celebrity, they're the name, they're the one on the platform, they're the one people flying in and getting a hotel to hear them preach does not guarantee that they have any greater ability to preach or explain the text than some nobody and some little church in the middle of nowhere. And the problem is Christians will see the big conference flock to the conference and there'll be some pastor somewhere preaching and people will like, ah, eh, who cares? He's a nobody. Stop judging the preaching of God's word based on someone's so-called celebrity status. This man was at a conference. People were, I don't even know how many hundreds of people have already watched it. People will buy the audio album when it's made available at the Sword of the Lord website. This man is well known. He, he was going to autograph books at the conference. He even said, that means there's going to be people coming to him going, sign my book. They're going to get his autograph. But yet when it comes to Hebrews 4.1, he did, he literally did not even represent, he didn't even try to explain the text. That bothers me. That bothers me. All right. Next, that's, that's labor or I'm sorry, that, that's, uh, let us fear. Then Hebrews 4.11, the next one. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Now, again, we still would need to identify the rest. So what is the rest? And how do we labor to get into that rest? Is this a salvation by works? How do we labor to get into this rest? All right, just if you go back to verse uh, 8, uh, Hebrews 4, 8, for if Jesus has given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? There remaineth therefore a rest for the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, the rest of Christ, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. See, once we have Christ, that's where we find perfect rest. The rest is in Christ, right? I think I, I think I can textually prove that. So what does he mean by let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest? What labor? What is that labor? What is that work? And I think the work is the work of believing in Jesus Christ. It's sometimes referenced as a work. Right? I don't know. You you can work on that one. That one we could spend a little bit of time. How do we, what is this labor? 
All right. That's one we may need to come back to. We need to do some more work on. We, we definitely need to do some work on it. All right. In fact, I'm going to look here. I'm going to look here. I've got a study guide on Hebrews. I don't think that I even have. See, I don't even think that there is a hang on. Um, yeah, it doesn't. I don't believe it even covers it. Of course not. Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. No, 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 hang on. Ah, no, it, it doesn't. No, I was I was hoping it was going to cover it. Nope, it, it takes up right after. We need to figure out what how, what that labor is. I think I think that that. But again, he didn't even bother to deal with it at the conference. There, there's some work there that we need to figure that out. All right, the second one. Is Hebrews 4, or the third one, I'm sorry. The first one is Hebrews 4.1. The second one is Hebrews 4.11. The third one is Hebrews 4.14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Let us hold fast our profession. Now, what, what does it mean by our profession? Well, let's we can at least look that up. We can at least look that up this evening. All right. What does it mean to let us hold fast our profession? All right. Let's go here. We'll go to Hebrews 4. Hang on. Here's the book of Hebrews. Go to chapter 4. I believe that's verse 4. Is it verse uh, verse 14, I believe? All right. Yeah, let us hold fast our profession. I'm going to go to interlinear. What is profession here? Our profession, it is this Greek word. It is this Greek word. Strong's G, 3671. Hamalagia. 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 Hamalagia is profession, confession. Um, it is uh, basically acknowledgement, profession, professed. Hamalagia is it talks about profession subjectively when we profess to be ours objectively profession confession so basically it is we are to hold fast to our confession our profession in Jesus Christ really our our faith in Jesus Christ all right so seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens Jesus the son of God let us hold fast our profession because we have a great high priest let's hold fast to him in other words we're not holding fast to really our efforts or our works, we're holding fast, not our behavior, we're holding fast unto Christ because he's our high priest. He has the sacrifice. He's everything that we need. All right. The next one is Hebrews 4, 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. We can come to Christ for grace. I think primarily it's grace, it's mercy, it's forgiveness. And we always are in a time of need because, well, we sin. And then the last one is chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ, let us go on to let us go on unto perfection. Let us go on unto perfection. Now, what, what is this perfection that we go on after? What, how, how do we get here? Let's leave the principles of the doctrines of Christ. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. Now, the word perfection here, let's look up that Greek word. We definitely need to work on this one. Um, let's see here. I got to go to chapter six, Hebrews chapter six, verse one. Hebrews chapter six, verse one. We may not be able to cover the second sermon here, but that's okay. Um, I mean, where is it? Where is perfection? There is the word perfection. It is this Greek word, and this one creates a little bit of problem in my mind, and I don't have a good solution. I know what I'm supposed to say. What I'm supposed to say is that perfection there means going on to maturity, to completeness. That's what we typically say. Hey, let us go on. In other words, let's lay lay aside these elementary things and move on to spiritual maturity. Right. Okay. That makes some sense. Let's pursue spiritual maturity. The only reason I'm hesitant to say that, even though that's typically how it's preached, is because of this. The Greek word is 
Strong's G 5047. Taliates. 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 Now, if you look at Taliates and you look at the outline of biblical usage, it is perfection. The state of the more intelligent, moral and spiritual perfection. Now, if Taliates is perfection, moral and spiritual perfection, that's a little troubling. Because are we to go on to that? How are we ever going to get there? The only hope, I think, is this. If you look at Strong's definition, it is the state completeness, mentally or morally. So I think it is, I think it's fair to say the only way to get around this, the only one I think it can make sense here is we are to go after maturity. We're to go after being complete. We are to pursue completeness. We are to, we are to pursue maturity. We are to go after that. Because if you see it again, therefore leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundations of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. In other words, there's these things, we, we learn these things and we move forward. We are to move forward. We are to move forward. I think that that's what, now for them, it's, it's for the Jewish believers that they need to move forward. Why did they, why is there a call for them to move forward onto completeness? Why is there a call for those, those believers, uh, those Jewish believers in the book of Hebrews to move on to per- completeness and some form of, of maturity? Because guess what? They're getting ready to undergo one of the most traumatic things in the world. Judaism is going to cease to exist. It's getting ready to be wiped off the face of the earth. Israel is basically going to be wiped off the face of the earth as a nation. They're they're going to have to clean. They need to be moving on to spiritual maturity so that they can hold on when this traumatic event occurs. That is the let us outline of Hebrews that he mentioned, but he really, he could have spent the time to really, I mean, if you think about it, that, that's a great outline. That's a beautiful outline. Now, I don't know if there's any more let us in, in the book of Hebrews, if there's any more of them, you could just turn your entire sermon. Like we're going to look at all of the let us in the book of Hebrews. I don't know if there's more, but if there's, uh, if there are, then it would be great. But those are the ones he went after, but he, he almost did it like this was second. It was, it was the second sermon. The first is us and them. Then I guess because it's us, then let us. So I think, I guess, I guess what he wanted to do is first show a distinction. Maybe this was the way he was designing the sermon. Let me show you that there needs to be a distinction between us and them. I'm going to go beyond the distinction that the text actually offers. All right. Now, then I'm going to spend all of this time giving you this distinction that has nothing to do with the text. Now I'm going to show what us is supposed to do. So maybe that, that was what he was thinking. It still felt like two sermons in the way it was structured. But the problem is he said, let us, and he didn't really articulate what he meant by any of these things. But even though that frustrates me a little bit, the good thing is this. Now you have it. You have it. So guess what you can do this late hour tonight at 11, 12 p.m. Central Time? You can grab a commentary. You can grab a Bible. And you can figure out this let us. That first one, if we go back to Hebrews 4.1. Hebrews 4.1. Okay, let us therefore fear Lest the promise of being left uh, uh, us of entering into his rest. We need to figure out that rest and we need to figure out how to get into that rest, right? Because then the second one, is it the second one? Um, let's see, Hebrews 4.11. The first one is 4.1. 4.11, let us labor to the rest. The rest, so obviously we are to fear that we don't get into the rest and then we need to labor to get into the rest. What is the rest and how do we get into it? That's really the, that to me is an entire sermon right there. We need to work on that. So the first night of the 2023 National Sword Conference gave us two sermons. I wanted to go through both. The second one I thought was the best because it was very convicting. 
There was just one kind of one problem with it, but I don't want to go too far. We're already at 50 minutes. And so if I go long, it's going to be like an hour and a half and I don't want to do that. Maybe we'll talk about it tomorrow. Uh, maybe, you know, uh, well, somewhere tomorrow we're going to be talking about the sermons that are going on. We'll find time somewhere to talk about it. But here, man, this get I me. Mean, see, this is, this is what I want you to realize. I, I, the whole sermon, the first sermon I had major issues with, but just look at how much it gave us. Do you see how invaluable that sermon is? Even though I didn't like a lot of it, it's invaluable because now I could stay up all night working on, okay, what is the rest and how do I get into it? Because it tells me to labor. If the rest is salvation and he told me to labor, does that preach a, teach a works salvation? What is this labor that I'm supposed to do? How do I get into this rest? What is this rest? I gave you some ideas what I think the rest is, the labor part we have to figure out. See, so even in a sermon that you didn't think was the best, it still hands you like a seminary education, like right there just gave you like a, like a entire semester worth of curriculum. All you get, but you have to be willing to put forth the effort with every sermon you hear. What we have a tendency to do is complain about what we didn't like instead of taking advantage of all the wonderful stuff handed to us in a sermon. I've often said that nobody should ever get mad at me and leave my church because even if you hate me, I give you enough stuff to consider that in every sermon you have six months of stuff to consider, but nobody, nobody, nobody believes that. They still leave the church because you got to say what they want you to say. It's really frustrating, but that's okay. That's okay. All right. Oh man, I want to, I want to dig into that right now. See, now I'm fired up. I want to figure that out. I'm telling you, this is going to, this is, if we weren't working on Jeremiah, I, 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 man, uh, if we weren't working on Jeremiah, when we got to church Wednesday night at Victory Baptist Church, this is what I would be, t- I would tell everyone, hey, guys, you're here, boom, get a notebook, get a Bible dictionary, get an encyclopedia, get the Blue Letter Bible app. We got to figure out what is this rest and how do we get it? All right. And then I would, I would make everyone work on it, but man, we got to work on Jeremiah, but I so desperately want to take a break from Jeremiah, but I can't because we're so far behind on Jeremiah, but we're going to make this a priority on the, on the podcast. So whoever out there, if you'll, if you'll dedicate yourself to figuring out what is the rest and how do we get in it, you, you'll win. You'll win. I don't know what you're going to win. You're, you're, you're going to win something. You're going to win something. All right. Oh man, and we got to get we got the law and gospel. Hmm? I'm telling you, we need about 50 hours of broadcasting. Oh man, I just realized something. I will not be able to broadcast during the day because an entire roofing crew is going to be pounding on my roof at about 7:30 in the morning. They're going to be here like at 7:30, and they're going to. Oh man, that is depressing. All right, I'm going to try my best to be watching all of the conference, but man, I want to come back tomorrow and talk about it. Maybe tomorrow night. See, tomorrow night, we're going to need to talk about the things that happened in the conference. Oh, man. All right, we're going to make the, we're going to make good use of this. We may just be way behind in responding to everything from the conference, but, but you be emailing me tomorrow, newsif at yahoo.com. I want my email blowing up tomorrow. I want my, my email blowing up tomorrow. Now, I typically don't do this. But I am going to start doing this a little bit more often just to give people the opportunity if they so, if they so desire. I put forth a lot of work and a lot of effort in this podcast every single day. I do uh, a lot of work. Someone just uh, started blowing up my email. Okay. Uh, they, they send me, I think, two emails. Um, and I think this is all of their notes. Oh, there's a PDF file. What is this? Oh, it's a PDF file of everything that happened in the conference. So I'm going to try to attach at least, uh, I'm going to attach. Let's see. What is this? Is this both nights? Hang on. I mean, let me look here. Okay. Yeah, this is both. I'm going to attach this PDF. I'm going to attach a PDF file if I can to this episode. Um, there'll be a PDF file, which will give you the notes of both sermons, even though we only covered one. 
So uh, to the person who just emailed that to me, thank you so very much. That's way, 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 way awesome. So we'll get that a PDF file attached. Someone else I think is working on a PDF file. We And we may attach their PDF file on a secret, second uh, broadcast. So you're going to have a number of PDF files to look at. Look at that. All for free, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for the people putting in the work creating the PDF files. That's really awesome, man. I didn't even have to do that. That's so awesome. But what I was going to say, there's a lot of work that goes into all of this, all of the hours and hours and hours of broadcasting. And I know that I'm getting a lot of pressure put on me from our podcast hosting site because they want to monetize the podcast um, because they'll make some money off it. And obviously I could start making some money. But I, I'm, I don't want to do that. But I do want to at least offer people the opportunity to help kind of cover some of the expenses that we have to pay. And so I'm just going to give you an example. What time was this? At 8.04 p.m. this evening. At 8.04 p.m. this evening, I got our invoice from Spreaker. Spreaker is how we broadcast on all the platforms, anywhere you hear that. It, and this is our monthly, our monthly bill from Spreaker. We get this every 30 days, $120. It cost us $120 to broadcast on Spreaker. Cost us $50 a month to broadcast on Sermons 2.0 and uh, Church 1. So, 120 for Spreaker every month, 50 every month for Church One. Now, if you benefit at all from what we do, please consider going to theologycentral.net. There's a donate tab. If you're using the Church One app or Sermons 2.0 and you look up Theology Central, there's a give tab. If you would like to give, that money does not come to me. It goes directly to Victory Baptist Church. It goes to its it, the, the church's bank account, not my bank account. I'm not asking for you to give me 120. I'm not asking for you to give me 50. You can give me one dollar. You can give me 50 cents. But anything you do helps cover the cost of the podcast because it's a lot of work, and we would at least like to break even on all for the podcast. So if you would ever like to help, great. Every once in a while, anytime I'm going to try to mention that now, whenever the bill arrives in May, because I get a I get a receipt. Every time I get charged from Sermon Audio, I get the receipt. And every time I get charged from Spreaker, I get the receipt. Oh, and our pod page, theologycentral.net, that's uh, what, 16 to $17 a month. So for the pod page, it's between $15 and $20 a month. Uh, Sermon Audio, uh, Sermon, Sermons 2.0, Church One, that's $50 a month. And then for Spreaker, it's $120 a month. There you go. That's just the monthly expenses. That doesn't that doesn't even say, do anything with all of my time I spend. But um, it's just so that you know. All right. Now, if you don't like what we do, then hey, don't worry about it. And by no means am I telling you you have to give. And by no means am I telling you, you know, you're doing anything wrong by not giving. I'm just giving you the opportunity if you would like to help us out. If not, it's perfectly okay. All right. There you go. I am going to do that now. I think just I think that's okay to do. I think that's perfectly okay to do. I think it is. And it's better than trying to mon- – I don't want to monetize a theology podcast. I don't want to monetize a theology podcast. I don't. Because then you're going to get commercials at the beginning and the middle and the end. I don't want that. I just feel that that's – I don't want to commercialize the proclamation of theology and doctrine and Bible study. I want to keep that – no, no. but I get an email every day. You are losing this much money. You're losing this much money. You're losing this much money. What are you doing? And it's like, well, man, that would cover the cost. And I would be able to actually maybe get paid a little bit for all the work. Yeah, that would be good. But but uh, I'm going to try to keep myself from doing that. All right. There you go. I wish we could have got to the second sermon. But there you go. That concludes our look at Sermon 1, Night 1 of the 2023 National Sword Conference. We're doing this just to give ourselves a little bit of insight into what's going on in that world. And not only that, we just gave ourselves an awesome study on Hebrews, right? Let us. And what I've given to you tonight to work on is let us. How do we get into this rest and how do we labor for this rest? What is the rest that we need to get, get 
that we, what, what is this rest that we need to fear missing out on? And how do we, and how do we labor to get it? That's a good, that's a good study. All right. There you go. Newsif at yahoo.com. Please, if you're listening to the conference tomorrow, please email me throughout the day because I can't do any, all I can do is listen. I can't turn on the microphone. If I turn on the microphone tomorrow, tomorrow, this is what it's going to sound like. Welcome everyone. This is the new, it's just going to sound like that. I'm going to break everything on my desk here, but uh, that's what it's going to sound like. I'm going to break my microphone stand. I'm going to break everything. I'm going to be saying, ladies and gentlemen, I need money for new equipment. Okay. All right. But you get the idea. So that's really, I just, I'm now I'm in a panic. How am I going to keep up with everything? I don't know. So, all right, we'll see. If at any point they take a break tomorrow, I'm going to turn on the microphone. I'm going to be like, guys, I got 15 minutes. All right, go. All right, we'll see. We'll see. If we can have a little bit of fun tomorrow, we'll have a little bit of fun in the middle of them uh, tearing up the roof of my house or, well, fixing the roof of my house. And not only that, today, our fence, our nice big wooden fence... Part of it just fell in today, so I got to get that fixed. That's really uh, frustrating. That's really frustrating. I don't know what happened. It just—it's the gate for the fence. It's so I got to try to either try to reattach it. I don't know. I don't know. See, I, my, all my degrees are in theology, not fence repair. So you know, come on. How can I? I can go out there and talk to the fence about the church fathers. Okay, I don't think it's going to help. All right. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great night. Newsif, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, theologycentral.net. And don't forget, you can listen to this podcast on the Podorama, Podorama, Podorama podcasting app, Podorama podcasting app. We're still playing around trying how, how we pronounce that. Okay. Thanks for listening. Everyone, a great night. God bless.